This podcast is offered by the San Francisco Zen Center on the web at sfzc.org. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Today I want to continue a theme um, from the last few Sunday talks and bring up some of the ways of opening, and especially in relation to uh, widespread protests uh, against racial injustice. So what is the awakened embrace of this moment? Uh, a few weeks ago, I gave a talk online through San Francisco Zen Center, through the City Center, and one thing I talked about was uh, loving this world. And in the um, questions and comments afterwards, um, there was a question uh, from a person who um, I'm thinking identifies as a person of color. And the question was, how do I love the world when there are people that hate me and want to harm me simply because of the way I look? And that time, at that time, I felt um, humbled by this question and the sincerity of the question. And I, I continue to feel humbled by it and humbled by uh, the depth of suffering we are facing uh, in this world. And I feel invited by this question and challenged by the suffering, uh, not to lessen, but to um, deepen uh, this humility. And so I hear this question asking in another way, what is the awakened embrace of this world, this moment? Um, I also hear it asking, how does this practice live on the ground or on the street where a police officer's knee is down into the neck of a fellow human being? I want to bring up a practice uh, called Tonglen and turn it in relation to Zazen and looking at racial injustice. Uh, Tonglen is a, an embodied compassion practice um, that's important in traditions of Tibetan Buddhism. <clears throat> Tong means sending out or giving, and Len means uh, receiving or taking. And so one of the key slogans of my training is <clears throat> uh, sending and taking should be practiced alternately. These two should ride the breath. So the basic practice is breathing in, suffering. So this is receiving, taking. And breathing out, awakening, liberation. That's uh, sending, sending out or uh, giving. And so this kind of uh, flips our uh, normal inclinations, you know, to move away from pain, keep the good stuff. And so in this practice, our body, our heart, and our mind um, become a uh, locus of transformation, and the breath is a medium of relationality. So um, we breathe in. The in-breath is this embodiment of receptivity, of opening. So we breathe in, 
the practice of receiving is uh, welcoming what's here, welcoming suffering, opening to the suffering we see, we hear, taste, smell, touch, feel. Opening and opening more and opening fully. Opening our hearts to suffering. Uh, opening our faces. Opening our whole body. Uh, opening our whole being to the pain, uh, to hurt, to distress. So this is the breathing in, the receiving, being touched, uh, deep listening. And if there are defenses, uh, feel them, breathe them into. If there's insulation, feel that. If there's avoidance or resistance or denial, that's all part of the suffering that we're breathing in. Welcoming feeling fully and uh, allowing. Whatever form of grasping we encounter, breathe it in. And we uh, breathe out. And so the out breath, breath is this embodiment of, of giving back, of flowing out, of letting what is inside uh, go forth. Even if we seem to have no awakening or liberation or joy to offer, we can offer our prayers. Um, we can send out um, kindness, uh, warmth, uh, friendliness, uh, love, uh, spaciousness, peace. And this is also a spirit of dedication in our practice, in bodhisattva practice and in our ritual practice, giving away all the virtues of our practice. And the out-breath is made up of the in-breath after it's been turned and transformed in the body. So now we're alive, manifesting, showing up, uh, expressing ourselves taking a stand or taking a seat, responding. We have a face, uh, we have skin, we have the way our skin appears and we're taking up space. We're touching the world and we're impacting others. And here too, if there are defenses to feel them, if there's holding back, holding down, holding in, uh, we breathe out through it. If there's tightness or some wanting to keep it for ourselves, breathe through it. We make an offering. We give ourselves uh, to this moment. We give ourselves uh, to the world. Completely give. So in this, this is wholeheartedly meeting suffering and then making an offering of ease, of conviction, of uh, courage, sanity, fearlessness, uh, uh, willingness to fully be in the world. 
uh, in our Soto Zen tradition. Uh, Dogen echoes a kind of Tonglen, I feel, when he invokes um, uh, Jijuyu uh, Zanmai. So Ji is self, Ju is receive, Yu is employ, and Zanmai is Samadhi, or absorption, or wholeheartedness. So we could say this is the self-receiving and employing samadhi. Breathing in, we receive the self. Uh, we receive this moment. We receive this life. And breathing out, we employ this self. Uh, we engage this moment. We offer this life. Uh, we make ourselves uh, useful. And I also hear a resonance with Tonglin when Dogen says, uh, let all things come and rest in your heart. Let your heart go out and rest in all things. And there's also an image of Tonglin, kind of image of uh, Avlokiteshvara uh, with a thousand arms. And on each of her hands, uh, there's an eye. So this is an image of sending and receiving. Uh, eyes are open, uh, sensitive, receiving. Hands are reaching out, sending, uh, giving, offering. So eyes breathing, hands breathing out. And we have, a, we have a teachings in the Zen tradition on these hands and eyes of great compassion. Uh, uh, some koans, and the final phrase of one of these is, throughout the body is hands and eyes. Or another translation, the whole body is just hands and eyes. So this body is all hands and eyes. This life is nothing but taking and sending, receiving and giving. And the, the uh, opening to suffering uh, does not mean we know it or understand it. Even if we've not experienced it, we can breathe it in. We can acknowledge it. We open our hearts. And we allow it to touch us and allow it to connect us. So riding the breath. Tonglen interweaves an intimacy with our own suffering and breathing in the suffering of others. Uh, open-heartedness, and also engaging the imagination, engaging uh, inquiry, and uh, developing our capacity for connection. So we can open uh, to the suffering, uh, confinement, and alienation of our racial conditioning, and all the ways this conditioning is elaborated acted out, embedded in systems and structures of, of racism or, or racial inequality. And so as a white person um, in this country, I feel this includes opening to suffering, the suffering of white privilege, white fragility, or white guilt, white out of touchness, and if we look uh, carefully, you know, some, uh, something we've learned, a message we've received, uh, often not explicitly, 
but a belief or a pervasive conditioning uh, that white people matter more and other people matter less. So I have the privileges that come with being a white man. And I'm speaking from a privileged seat as the invited speaker of the day. So there's a lot of privilege right here to acknowledge and you know, to breathe in and also to breathe out, uh, to employ and to give away. So we can, we, can, we can bring up our privilege and point it out. And this can be a way of giving away privilege. It can also be a way of utilizing privilege for the sake of liberation. And also part of how privilege works is an array of uh, defenses. Uh, those of us who are white are uh, usually equipped with various ways of deflecting our awareness, uh, deflecting our conversations, deflecting our interactions away from looking at our whiteness and how it works. Um, for black people, for people of color, racial conditioning can work in very different ways. So while part of white privilege is turning away from being aware of this um, ubiquitous uh, racial aspect of our life. Um, I've heard people of color say that, you know, it's actually can be a matter of self protection to be very aware of race. Uh, it can also just be unavoidable. And for some people of color, this can become a, a nearly constant source of stress daily uh, wearing down. And so for those of us who are white, uh, breathing in uh, this racialized suffering of people of color is part of this process. So part of a part of our racial conditioning as white people is to be more or less insulated from this suffering. So opening our hearts, educating ourselves, questioning our ideas of ourselves. And however we're situated within racialization, uh, engaging this practice of breathing in, opening to the suffering, the pain, the harm, uh, the injustice, and breathing out, sending awakening freedom, justice, and starting with this person and opening to others. And you know, meeting the challenges to this and not turning away uh, when it's hard and when it hurts, but breathing through. I'm breathing in and opening to the suffering of George Floyd as he was killed. Opening to the suffering of his loved ones, including his children. Opening to how this killing uh, resonates 
with the killing of Ahmad Arbery and Breonna Taylor and so many others. And breathing in the pain of how these events are not apart from the dehumanizing violence of white people in power uh, throughout the history of this country, from slavery to lynching to police brutality and mass incarceration, and opening to the grief and uh, rage and exhaustion of being subjected to this still unfolding history of violence and oppression. And so breathing in and out. And each breath is a gift and each breath is a gate. As he was being killed, uh, George Floyd said, I can't breathe repeatedly. As he was being killed, Eric Garner said, I can't breathe repeatedly. So breathing in and opening to this cry of I can't breathe and breathing out. What do we give? What do we offer? Uh, Zenju Earthland Manuel said, come down here on this earth and breathe for those gasping for air. Uh, so we release uh, insulation and separation and defensiveness and objectification. So this real opening is uh, vulnerable and humble. So that then this is not pity. You know, pity is separating. Pity is keeping ourselves at least a little bit apart or above or beyond. And compassion is totally intimate, uh, open, and humble. Come down here on this earth. And we send out uh, liberation. We send out awakening. awakening. Waking up in our collective suffering together. Waking up in our lives together. It's not an escape or a numbness or a denial or being left alone. It's being in it. It's waking up in it. And if we do feel uh, threatened or afraid or overwhelmed in this, uh, then breathe in that fear. Uh, breathe in the overwhelm. Breathe in the fullness. We might worry if we totally open uh, to the pain and suffering and difficulties of the world uh, that will somehow absorb all of it like a big uh, sponge and be hopefully uh, or helplessly uh, mired in pain, uh, disease, and distress. And so in this breathing, uh, we just open to the suffering. Uh, we don't hold it. Uh, we don't contain it. We don't uh, grasp it. Uh, the breathing in is actually bottomless. 
uh, the lungs fill up with air, but that's not where the breath stops. Uh, through opening, we can come to appreciate the vast uh, capacity of our heart, of our being. Uh, this, this is a bodhisattva practice, and it's based on, and it affirms, and it uh, actualizes how our heart is a bodhisattva heart, a heart of um, boundless compassion. This heart can open um, boundlessly. And this breathing of Tonglin is about transformation, breathing in and breathing out. Um, in the Shingon uh, Buddhist fire ritual, um, the practitioner identifies with fire as a force of transformation. So in the ritual, they make a fire and um, there's a visualization of the fire as a Buddha or a Bodhisattva, an embodiment of wisdom and compassion. And when this is vivid, when, the, when there's this fire that's vividly a Buddha, vividly embodying wisdom and compassion, you then identify yourself with the fire. You become the fire. You become this, these transformative flames. Fire burns bright with a willingness to take it all in and allowing it to change and giving it all away. Welcoming suffering, pain, obstruction, tightness, fear, and letting it all burn and offering uh, warmth and illumination. Breathing out uh, light, spaciousness, awakening. It's the whole body is just hands and eyes, sending and receiving, opening and responding. Um, breath is a, a, kind of a living, uh, tangible demonstration of our non-separation in any moment. Our actual intimacy with the world and each other is right here in each breath, in and out. This breathing is not something we do. We ride the breath. This is about living non-separation. And sending and receiving are not really two separate things. Breathing in and out are not two separate things. Hands and eyes of great compassion are not two separate things. It's one circle of breath, one circulation of life and compassion and relationship. We say the emptiness of the three wheels, giver, receiver, and gift. It's always one whole meeting. The whole of what we are is receptivity. The whole of what we are is manifestation. One whole meeting. When receiving is deep, and dynamic, sending is deep and dynamic. 
So we, we can engage inhalation and exhalation as flows of dynamic inquiry into the fullness of our life and um, our life with each other and all beings. Um, as a white person, I am looking for ways to breathe in the suffering of racial conditioning and to open to and challenge you know, white superiority, white privilege, white uh, inaction and passivity, you know, all which are intertwined. And breathing in how this racial conditioning impacts others. Um, so this, this racial conditioning impacts all of us, but you know, in, in very different ways. You know, the structures and the systems that arise from this conditioning uh, work against black people and in various ways against all people of color and uh, favor or benefit white people. And white people you know, created, basically control and maintain these structures and systems and in large part, or in some, in some ways, live in denial of this. And I think, and maybe across the board, you know, do not take responsibility for it. And so we are impacted in very different ways. And also it's all, um, I would say we're all woven together in one fabric of racial conditioning. And so when we're breathing in, if we're breathing in, we cannot just breathe in our own suffering in isolation. We can't just breathe in the suffering of someone else in isolation. It's all woven together. White privilege is woven together in one fabric with police killings of black people. Privilege and oppression are woven together. How we are woven in is not something we chose or could control. We didn't make this fabric. We are made of it. It's you know, part of how we come to be. Our identities, ourselves, our views, our thinking, our perceptions are shaped and formed uh, through and of this fabric. And the fundamental delusion of separation is woven deeply into this fabric. The fabric's a painful collective embodiment of belief and separation, and a painful collective embodiment of greed, hate, and delusion. Uh, Angel Kyodo Williams says, you cannot possibly understand the nature of your mind without understanding the nature of the collective mind. And in this culture, the nature of the collective mind is oppression, white supremacy, and patriarchy. This is what we are all born into. As we are part of uh, this fabric or collective mind, um, we can be part of maintaining it or forming it. You know, so we can maintain a fabric of suffering, a fabric of you know, this idea of white superiority, 
participating consciously or not in a set of agreements, assumptions, and practices which preserve white privilege. Some of us do not see or do not feel how we're woven into this. And maybe many of us do not fully see or fully feel how we're woven into this. And as long as we don't see it and feel it, uh, we won't be able to change it. We won't address it. Um, this is a, um, a complex fabric. It's not just black and white, you know, all the various lineages of racism and domination that have unfolded uh, in this country are woven in. Class, uh, gender, sexuality, nationality, ability, interweave with uh, in or as uh, the fabric as well. multiple intertwining systems of power and domination. And we're working with amazingly reductive uh, categories of humanity uh, that are deeply interwoven into the history of this country and into ourselves and the complex intersecting and multi-leveled and that unfold into profound suffering. Suffering and oppression that is a real right now. We cannot actually get out of this fabric um, because it's in us, but how it's in us is how we have agency. Uh, until we fully own how we are part of this fabric, we cannot fully participate in transforming it. So this is like fully breathing in and then fully breathing out. Those who are, you know, who are oppressed within the fabric, uh, who have been harmed or held down, held back, diminished, confined, uh, they have long worked as parts of the fabric to liberate the whole fabric. Well, those who benefit, benefit from it, you know, generally have not. Um, the call to affirm black matter because um, this culture is overflowing with affirmations, however veiled or denied they may be, that black lives don't matter, that white lives matter more. And when we come down to earth, when we come down to the ground and clearly observe how black people and people of color are being treated, we don't see all lives matter. All lives matter is a, it's a true principle, but it's not what we're doing. It's not what we're collectively living in this country. So can we just breathe in? Black lives matter. 
you know, and without reaching for some way to qualify it or soften it or abstract it or turn it over. Black Lives Matter is a call for transformation. It's about actualizing equality and justice. Our practice calls us to engage and liberate the entire fabric. Become intimate with this fabric, appreciate how it works through us and beyond us, and through the fabric, actualize hands and eyes of great compassion. And this is, um, this is, this can start with opening to the injustice of the killing of George Floyd, which was undeniable, it was recorded. And, you know, it can open to addressing police brutality, which is vital and necessary. And it can open to the vast extent of structural dehumanization that's happening in this country. You know, where there's a, a lack of equality in education, healthcare, housing, political representation, the justice system, um, wealth, and so on, employment. So breathing in injustice and opening deeply to the extent of the injustice and then breathing out uh, this transformation, transformation of the whole fabric, uh, a broader, deeper vision of justice. Breathing out uh, the collective moral courage we will need to transform this. And breathing out the collective stamina and determination and love we will need to transform it. And I want to place all this um, in the practice of Tonglen, of breathing and suffering and breathing out awakening, um, because, uh, you know, sometimes this becomes a people hear this kind of stuff as being about being politically correct or some kind of a social coercion or feeling guilty, you know, getting caught in guilt or getting caught in seeking to relieve guilt or exonerate ourselves of guilt. These are, uh, I see these as dead ends. So this is, um, it's, and it's not about a posture or a display. Um, we engage and make efforts about this from a sense of connection breathing in and breathing out. Uh, genuine respect and love and caring and not wanting to cause harm. Uh, and engage out of a deep appreciation of our shared humanity and how everything we do has an impact. So, you know, what is transformative? You know, being right is not what we need. Um, that can be, being right can just be a way to insulate ourselves. Um, this is about change. And there's no simple way through 
in the meantime, we just don't get to be pure or harmless. It's actually not a possibility in the setup right now. Uh, observing eight minutes and 46 seconds of silence is, it doesn't, doesn't need to be just a display. It can be a tongue. It can be opening and offering, receiving and sending um, without going to a protest. Uh, we can just fully feel the length of eight minutes and 46 seconds as a way of breathing in the killing of George Floyd. James Baldwin said that to be black in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time. So I think we can, we can all breathe that in. And those of us who are white can ask as meditators devoted to awareness as aspiring bodhisattvas. What is it to be white in this country and relatively conscious? How does that really feel? So this is opening to the fabric. And, you know, it might not um, start with rage, but it could open to rage. It can involve a nearly constant uh, discomfort. Uh, giving up trying to feel good keep coming down to earth, keep being humbled as we face the suffering of our racial conditioning, uh, deeply questioning and challenging our innocence our, and our self-deception and how they work to perpetuate a nightmare. And it is also waking up and opening to ways to move forward uh, into liberation together. And being humbled is different than being humiliated. Uh, being humiliated can be an injury uh, to our dignity and self-respect while uh, being humbled is a function of our dignity, a function of our self-respect. It's how our dignity actually lives uh, on the earth, uh, grounded in opening to larger possibilities of the heart and called forth through uh, courage and, and inquiry. And our real dignity is, is not hierarchical. There's no higher or lower or mattering more or less. Our real self-worth is not quantifiable. It's a total uh, bottomless equality of how uh, each of us is an ungraspable infinity of relatedness. We can only find the fullness of our life and the true depths of our hearts down here on the earth. So um, I wanted to come back to the question, how do I love the world or people that hate me and want to harm me simply because of the way I look? 
So how do we open to these uh, depths of suffering? And part of this, part of our support here is faith in our awakened nature, trusting in the already liberated uh, unboundedness of our bodhisattva heart. You're nourished and supported by true nature or by ultimate truth. And Tonglen uh, can sound uh, heroic, but I, I'd like to offer that we're, we're, we're made for this. This is not just for heroes. This is for all of us. The whole body is just hands and eyes. This um, receiving and sending is um, the heart's breathing or the breathing of our true nature or our whole being, receiving the self and employing the self, uh, the breathing of loving the world, um, becoming a great fire. How do we love uh, this world? And what is this love? Um, I don't see this love as a feeling or as a thing, a static anything, um, but a dynamic love of fierce devotion to this world, a love grounded in the conviction that we are all equally and totally children of this world, and a love that challenges any claim that some matter more or less or that some belong in this world while others do not. And this, this is a love of the world that is devotion to justice. A love seeking to actualize love in the world that is not loving. A love that demands change. A love of the world that breathes in suffering and breathes out justice. that meets suffering and actualizes awakening. And it's an engaged, uh, energetic embrace. This world, this life, uh, this person, this time, uh, this pandemic, systemic racism, other forms of injustice, uh, this is exactly the world uh, we love. And through this love, with this devotion, we can honor and work towards actualizing or truly living our shared humanity. And opening to suffering and pain, uh, breathing in greed, hate, and delusion, uh, these are essential. This is essential for uh, living love, not turning away from love. If we can open to this pain, as we open to this discomfort and love through it, we can actualize awakening together. Uh, sending and receiving uh, need to ride everything we do. Um, 
Zenju, uh, in a poem, has a phrase, breathe out loud. Breathe out loud, receive out loud, send out loud. You know, this is our vow. And a fixed way to respond, to show up, to serve, to be of use. My eight-year-old son said uh, he was feeling confused. And uh, my partner said, well, how would you... How would you draw that? And he thought for a moment. He said, it's like, it's like someone coming to a stop sign, but stop isn't written on the sign. So it's not clear how to respond, how to be useful, what to do. Uh, we can look, you know, what do, I, what do I usually do? And wonder, like, is that what's called for here? Without it being clear, we need to act. Or do we move forward or move backward? Do we listen or do we speak up? Uh, do we lead or do we follow? And like, yes. We breathe in and we breathe out and we keep asking and uh, and not give up. Uh, to not stop breathing in like this and not stop breathing out like this and not stop inquiring into how we make this breathing real, into how we make it live. And so this love needs to live in the world it's a love that is responsive action. May we uh, breathe and stand and act with conviction in our shared humanity, uh, with conviction in the ungraspable irreplaceability of each human life. Um, this is a core truth for us, universal Buddha nature. May we be humble before this truth and not turn away from the challenges, uh, the struggles of making it real. And may we, together with all beings, summon and embody uh, the courage, the determination, the uh, wisdom and the compassion to transform the immense suffering arising from and through uh, the fabric of racial conditioning. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the San Francisco Zen Center. Our programs are made possible by the donations we receive. Please help us to continue to realize and actualize the practice of giving by offering your financial support. For more information, visit sfzc.org and click Giving. May we fully enjoy the Dharma.